Can do. Uh, hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 6 Review, brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, and I'm going to be behind the scenes because after this wacky weekend, I just can't cope with it. So I'm going to hand you over uh, to, Stephen, uh, to Steve and Shane, who will take you through all the games. Wacky weekend, eh? What a, what a thing to call it. It is round six, of course. Welcome back, everyone, to the uh, Super Rugby Preview Show. We have a look at a full round of matches. Actually, we've got quite a lot to go, uh, to go through this week, so we're going to dig straight into it. Uh, welcome back, Shane. Good to see you again, buddy. Um, let's get into things. It all kicked off, and I'm surprised Paul didn't want to go through this first match um, of the weekend because it was the Blues versus the Highlanders, and my poor old Highlanders played their typical game plan, and um, they got unstuck. They got found out a little bit, this one. First half was a tight match. Rico Iwani again does what he has done all season long. Scored two early tries uh, that were split between uh, a Luke Whitelock try for the Highlanders back the other way. Muddy Banks kept the Highlanders in the game as uh, it was poor old Plummer's boot that failed to cash in for the Blues in the first half. And it was a close one. It was 15-13 halftime to the Blues, but they had that little glimmer of hope. And uh, it was quickly snuffed out there early in the second half. Stavitli stole uh, a try back towards the Highlanders just after halftime. That put them back into the lead. But the Blues were not done. Milani Nanai thrilled the home crowd with a stunning try to tie things up. And then we got what was just about the death of this matchup. The first card of the weekend to Waisaki Naholo. And they signaled the end of the Highlanders. Not what we're really used to. And Tui Plotu thundered over for the Blues. And actually learned how to hold on to a closing matchup. 32-15 defenders beaten. I think was a key stat that I've written down for this one. But final score was 33-26. The Blues actually won at home against the New Zealand side for the first time since 2016. Shane, upset to start our weekend. And I've got to say, um, I'm really, really pleased for the Blues for this one. The, the the last time they had beaten the New Zealand side was the Highlanders, round one, three years ago. And so um, the Highlanders break the duck again for them. So... The Blues, uh, the the Blues and the Highlanders, both sides have the the same sort of tactics: very scrappy, very hard-working forwards, great backs, and um, if 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 there was ever a time where the Blues needed to win a New Zealand derby, this was it. And I've got to say, they finished off the game very well. There was tense times there where the the Highlanders. Looked, um, there was a momentum shift there for a little while. Um, Got to say, though, if you're a Blues fan, you'd be pretty happy with that. And, you know, two in a row. they got the Stormers next week. They could make it three. So, good on them. Uh, and in the chat on, there, um, Andre's saying that's the first that... Uh, the first weekend that uh, Rico's really shown his class. I mean, the other weekend he just was running things in from the corner, wasn't he? Yeah, but, you know, six tries in two games is a hell of an achievement. So um, it's, it just shows you give the ball on to the big fella and he'll, he'll find the line if he's, if he's given the right tactical solution. So, um, yeah, look, I, I understand where the comment's coming from, but I also can understand that, he is certainly a weapon out there for the um, for the Blues. He's the go-to man, isn't he? He's the one they yeah, always go to 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 
finish to to give them that uh, little spark. I guess it's that X factor, that that sort of capability that most players don't have. Um, I wrote down a few more key stats in this one because I thought there was some some crackers in here. I talked about the defenders beating 32 to 15. The Blues uh, beat 32 defenders, just 15 by the Highlanders. Clean breaks, 10 to 5. Blues over the Highlanders on that. And tackles, well, I mentioned at the start, a typical Highlanders game plan of just defending and absorbing and then kind of counterattacking as a such. 73 tackles by the Blues, 140 by the Highlanders. A massive, massive difference there between the two sides. And the Blues... Well, you got to give them credit, I suppose. That's win somewhere, but um, they won't be winning back down in uh, Forsyth Bar when the re- uh, reverse fixtures <laughs> played back the other way. I've got to, my blue, my uh, my Highlanders will take them back out the other side. Uh, that was our first game of the weekend. There's comments going through the chat already about the Stormers um, and what they're going to be doing next weekend because they're the next team in action. They're up against the Hurricanes, and I think there's a lot of there always is when the Stormers travel. A lot of talk about the travel and how they don't like to travel, but um. This one certainly proved a lot of those doubters wrong. It was an action-packed uh, first half. Um, that seeing the Stormers kick any single opportunity they had. Well, the Hurricanes looked for tries as they do, and they got a couple to uh, Ben May scoring one, and Jordy Barrett's going a cracker off a little grubber kick into the end goal from Grub. <clears throat> John Lugdupsi picked up a yellow card in the first half, uh, but the Stormers kind of lifted by getting that uh, blockbusting try uh, from Sir Khaleesi. Uh, getting them back into the game as well. End of the half, I thought was a really interesting part of the matchup. The players were trundling off, and I had even just about trundled off myself to go get a halftime beverage before the referee called it all back for um, a poor tackle. They ended up with a yellow card for Fafita, and then the Stormers continued to play on, going for the corner, and uh, Hooker and Banambi scoring a try to actually take the halftime lead to 21-15 to for the Stormers. That was a huge turning point in the matchup at that time like that. Was massive and to take the halftime. Oh, excuse me, to take the halftime lead uh, is was massive for the Stormers, who thought people most thought they'd be gone by that time. The second half, though, the Hurricanes awoke. Three tries in the half: one for Bowden Barrett, two for Slippery Wiz Houston, and I um, mean, for a small guy, he had some real power and acceleration. The Stormers, Stormers scored one midway through um, through Yakukutsia, and they led briefly. But all in all, the Hurricanes were the stronger finishing side but a massive surprise though at how well the Stormers played Absolutely um, if, if you can't get a, a win in Wellington if you're an um, international side then the, the next best thing obviously is a bonus point which they, they took out of this one um, the, the Stormers and I didn't see too much of it other than the highlights um because it was a busy night in New South Wales all along, but um, the 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 fact that the Stormers had a gutsy go at, at at the Hurricanes in Wellington, where it is very hard to to take points, is is, is something. There's something some positives out there that they can take to Auckland next week. And as for the Canes, uh, they. Just marched on in the end. I guess, you know, when you've got two brothers called Barrett, who show a lot of class, um, it certainly helps in, in that sort of situation. So, A close one still. They won at 34-28, six points in it. I mean, I, I was, my finger was hovering by my mouse on the TAB website on that one when the, when the Stormers were, <laughs> had a line out five minutes out from the Hurricanes line with about four minutes to go. Trading by six, and I was paying twelve dollars for Stormers to win. And I thought, oh, oh, that's a bit of a tasty one. Um, didn't do it though. 
Uh, and thankfully, I kept myself my ten dollars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. more responsibly. Yeah. No, oh, the, I, the, I won ten dollars. What was it? The, the, the Stormers lineout was functioning all night until those last two, and you're like, yeah. oh, geez, just when they needed it, it just fell apart. I mean, that one try. That could have been the difference. A one-point win. Who would have thought that if they had come away? If that would have been amazing. But um, nope. Hurricanes hang on. And the Stormers, I mean, impressive, though, to kick off their tour. We did go across the ditch, though, over to New South Wales with the Waratahs. We're up against the Crusaders. Uh, things took a bit of a turn for the worst here, I think. This was the low light of the weekend. Not not for result. This is just a, an ugly, mistake-ridden, um, slow, drab, stop-start affair between the Waratahs and the Crusaders. The Crusaders never looked Crusader-like uh, throughout the matchup. Uh, and the Waratahs, I guess, they took toll of, of what was a pretty average defense at times uh, from the Crusaders as well. They got a couple of tries inside the first 10 minutes. Holloway and Clark um, just really going through defensive lines from the Crusaders that you don't expect to see. And, um, you know, you get the advantage, you got to take it. And they did, which is fair play to them. Uh, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for the Crusaders who went over just uh, over the half an hour mark. But halftime was 15-7 to the Waratahs. But um, never the entertainment that we'd probably expect from those two sides uh, throughout recent years. Uh, in the second half, both sides grabbed the second half try. A flower, of course, equaled the leading try scorer record uh, for Super Rugby. And Will Jordan scampered away the length of the field right on full time. But it uh, was a messy one. But you got to credit the Waratahs here, Shane. They came. They did what they had to do, messy or not. And they got the win and the first team to beat the Crusaders this season. Yeah, after a very long winning streak, the the 31 unanswered points last year has um, been well and truly forgotten at Waratah land. Um, the Crusaders couldn't even chase down what they had to chase down in the end. Um, scrappy game, really scrappy, error-riddled game on both sides. Um, I guess the weather, you know, there was a bit of drizzly rain around in Sydney that night. Um didn't um, help at all with some of the skill levels. Um, I thought, to be honest, I would have expected a lot more from a championship side like the Crusaders. I know they were probably resting a few players as well. Um, the Waratahs will be buoyed by that. And um, to give you a, a weird stat, which I, I will, um, Four years ago, election night, um, as it was on Saturday night, New South Wales, the Tars beat a New Zealand side. So the Tars must enjoy playing on election night against New Zealand sides. <laughs> uh, weird and wacky stat. Um, but, well, with, um, all the, with all the elections Australia has, perhaps they could have one every year. <laughs> <laughs> every weekend well, would probably be more helpful. <laughs> might help the Wallabies. Um, but look, you got to hand it to the Tars. They, they came off that loss in Canberra where they were pathetic um, and they turned up against the, the competition top dogs and they beat them convincingly. Um, so, you know, if, if I was to suggest something to the Crusaders is that I've seen a little bit of complacency in, in, in some of the, the, the games they've played this year. Grow up, get into it. And you're a championship side that's won two in a row. Um, so, you know, go, go, go. You've got the Hurricanes next week, I believe it is. So go get stuck in. 
a tough ass to follow up for as well to go and <laughs> face the Hurricanes next up. But yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that the the Crusaders were were bad and and that they were their poorness was the only attributing factor to them losing. But both sides were equally bad. Um, oh, there was forty five missed tackles in total, and it wasn't forty to five. It was about twenty two, twenty three each. Turnovers, there was 47. It was a similar stat, 24-25 each. So both teams were really bad. Both teams were, were mistake-ridden, error-ridden, everything like that. But, I mean, that start ultimately was the spark for the Waratahs, uh, just managing to get on the board early, getting on there nice and quickly and holding it and doing enough, as poor as it was, uh, to pick up the win. And 20 points to 12, it doesn't matter if it was 3-0. The Waratahs will take that to the bank every day of the week. And um, especially over a team like the Crusaders. That's um, three of our matches done. And we'll, we'll pass over to Paul, who's going to give us our halftime team talk for this week's review. <laughs> halftime team talk. I'm not sure that's what this is. I like um, that. Yeah, I, I do like the halftime team talk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we might actually have a structure to the show soon, which would be fantastic. <laughs> the, um, so, hi, everyone. Um, I'll be talking about the um, Sunwolves being cut from the top 14. Um, and also, sorry, not top fourteen from the from the <laughs> from the Super Rugby, and also Super Rugby Dream dropped down to fourteen teams. So, the Super, some more one will come out on Wednesday, uh, and the being going down to fourteen teams will be come out on Thursday. That'll be exclusive exclusively for my Patreons. So, link down below in the notes uh, on YouTube. Um, head over to patreon.com forward slash driving more. Um, you can become a Patreon, help support uh, the uh, these free shows, but also get exclusive access to those kind of opinion pieces. Um, plus other shows uh, over there. So um, check that out. You can get that for as little as a dollar a month. Um, lots of talk around the songs about the politics behind it, uh, about how they structured it, how they, why they went for a team in the first place. Um, and that Super 4 team team, again, the politics around it, I think needs to be talked about and uh, whether it's a good thing, whether it's what South Africa wants, whether it's what New Zealand and Australia need. But uh, So go down, check that out, and um, I'll hand you back to the show. Perfectly placed segue as well to talk about our next match, which is the Sunwolves versus the Lions. I like what you've done there, Paul. Good work. Into this matchup, the Sunwolves, I think, again, sparking out of the blocks. Definitely a very good starting team, and they started very well early on against the Lions as well. They dominated the matchup and um, looked as if they were going to give the Lions a good run for their money. Uh, even showed a bit of dominance in the pack, which was a surprise to me. And they got the first try of the game as well. Penalty try um, being a big overlap out wide, knocked down by one of the Alliance defenders, and there we go. They're in for the first points of the match. Didn't even need to convert it. The rest of the half, though, was all about one man, and that was Malcolm Marks, who mauled the Lions to the lead at halftime. The Sunwolves had their chances, and they, like I said, dominated large periods of the game, but unable to really get themselves into the conversation at halftime. The Lions only led 12, 12 points to 7, though, so it certainly wasn't over at that point, but... It certainly was as we got into the second half. The Lions took over. Piles of tries. Groom, Yankees, Mapu, Daimani all blew the game away from the Sunwolves. And all they could get back was a couple of late tries to that barnstorming number eight, Vasiaho, who was amazing, um, as he has been for a few weeks, to put that respectability back in the scoreline. Didn't look as bad as it probably was on the field. But the Lions really did dominate that second half to take the lead and the match. 36 points to 24 some will still look impressive, though, throughout the matches. Just not enough here against the champion side that the Lions are. Yeah, I will say that, you know, 30 hours earlier, uh, they've been told they've been cut from Super Rugby. Well, it certainly didn't look like a side that had been 
um, disjointed or not united, they turned up um, and played some good rugby. The lines were just a bit better. And that comes with the quality of, of players like Malcolm Marks and, and those really explosive backs that can cause a lot of damage. Um, yeah, in the end, probably just just the fact that the Lions were a little bit more with, with that's probably that Springboks experience that, that helped them. Um, I thought, as I said, there was nothing too much that I could really fault in terms of the effort of, of the Sunwolves and to be honest, it was not a not a bad game to to finish off the Saturday night leading into the Sunday morning. Yep, it was a decent little match up there for the Sunwolves. They, yeah, like you say, they did enough. They well, not enough, but they did themselves a bit of justice as well, especially after the news of just what happened a few days before as well. To be knowing that they're going to be chopped from the competition. Um, that's not going to be good for the mental state of that side. But hopefully, uh, like me and Paul talked about in the preview last week, hopefully it does have a positive uh, flow onto the team. They want to go out there. They want to prove everyone wrong uh, for the next season and a half. They want to go out there and, and show what they're capable of. And I guess players have to show because they've got yeah they've got careers as well. They've got to play out, and I guess they've got to go on to somewhere else too. So uh, hopefully they do continue to improve and don't just uh, fall aside and um, you know, not be that team that they have been this season as well. So the Lions picked up the victory there. Close one, just a 12-point victory. We'll move over now to South Africa. Um, Bulls versus the Chiefs. Oh, dearie me. What <laughs> happened at Loftus? That was That's my big question. Oh, this, was, this was a remarkable matchup. All the Bulls managed in the first half was two penalties. And the Chiefs piled on three tries. Alo Marlo, Nankerville, both jumping in off uh, errors for one, and Marty McKenzie, brilliance uh, for the other before. It was Bulldozer Ritalik closing out the half to give the Chiefs, do not adjust your YouTube screens, a 24-6 lead at the break. How has this Chiefs side turned around so much from getting smashed to snatching a draw to leading the Bulls at home by 18 points at halftime. And, and it carried on as well because the big man, Ritalik, did it straight after halftime as well, bulldozing over for another close-to-the-line try to extend that lead. Then Mr. Damien McKenzie got a bit more involved and he sets up another try for Nankerville. Then Alo Marlo got himself put into the bin and the Bulls actually got themselves a try and not really into the match, but they got themselves points on the board. A typical little chip that they seem to have played quite a lot through to uh, Creel. And then they go, the Bulls had double figures, but they certainly weren't in this matchup as the Chiefs resumed when they got back to 15 players. Uh, Tahurirangi jumping over for a try. Alo Malo got another one. And the Bulls didn't get anything else apart from a late consolation try to Braga Oldendale. And that was it for the Bulls. 20 points to 56. Nightmare at Loftus, Shane. <laughs> well, maybe the, the Chiefs listened to what I had to say a few weeks ago. <laughs> Um, they were playing the game. They they left the game plan in the, the first few weeks, but they brought it back. It was so exciting to see the fast, fast rucks, the, the angle line running. It was beautiful. Um, and, and, and maybe it was just a, a thing over the first few weeks, uh, whatever they want to use as an excuse. But this time, this time, They've got all five points out of Pretoria at Loftus. Um, and the Blues, who, uh, sorry, the Blue Bulls, the Bulls, 
um, who started off very well, um, looked like a rabble. So um, good on the people that needed to step up at the Chiefs, like Retallick, who just put an exclamation mark on how valuable a Ford he is, not just to the Chiefs, but the All Blacks as well, international quality. And some of the, the you know, the Chiefs boys that didn't stand up in the first few weeks, the last couple of weeks have been really positive. So something has obviously changed. Some harsh words have been said and the Chiefs have come out firing. And I look forward to seeing them play for the rest of the season. I reckon they'll be right now. Yeah, something did change. And that was uh, one little short man that was given a different numbered jersey. And it was a 15 instead of a 10. And, I mean, he changed that game. He changed that game massively. And that, I mean, two weeks, they changed that against the Hurricanes. They they snaffled that draw. And then they're going to have done this in South Africa. I mean, you, you don't go winless in the opening five rounds of the competition and then go to Africa and then thrash one of the better sides. You've got to say they're not the worst. They're not a, a, a easy win, especially over there. You just don't, don't go and do that without, like you say, something majorly happening. And I think that is a huge contributor uh, to that Chiefs side. Um, and goal kicking. We talked a lot about goal kicking for New Zealand sides. Just missed one kick, McKenzie. And that was when time was up for that last try that come off the post. Uh, so important to get those kicks. And that big difference for me was just that one man. And support play around him. Guys like Alo Malo who come on back from injury, got injured straight away and then hasn't seen much game time since then. He's huge for that team. His attacking brilliance is definitely what they need. But a huge surprise, shock win, 56-20. I couldn't believe it when I got up on Sunday morning. This about fell off my chair. Moving on now, penultimate game of the round. Uh, the Sharks versus the Rebels. Um, and this will be interesting to see how the Rebels bounce back after that um, big fall away in the second half of their match last week. It was uh, a lightning start and lightning ball for Dan Dupree. They got the Sharks off to a flyer, but it was uh, quickly reeled back in by the tri-friendly Rebels, who scored a couple of their own through English and Maddox. Cooper was, I think, having one of his better games as he has all season with Rebels, but he's continued on that good form. Really the key cog in that Rebels backline. Uh, the Sharks went with the sticks for every chance they could get, and Dupree was definitely not letting them down with those shots at goal. Um, scoring less tries, but definitely right in the match, leading at halftime, 16-14 to 14 over the Rebels. Into the second half, the game changed massively, didn't it? Like it was the week before, the Sharks took over, they dominated the scoreboard, and they dominated defence massively. Couple of tries, uh, Rob Dupree jumped over, and of course, original king, Marcus Pimpi jumped in as well. But defence, massively, I, 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 that is the key thing I took from the second half performance from the Sharks, was their defence. They got a late yellow to low uh, for... A, a pretty bad tackle. Um, I'm surprised he only got a yellow. It was, it was quite a shocker. If you haven't seen it, go check that out. Off the ball. The guy didn't even have the ball. He was miles away from the ball carrier, and he just absolutely took him to the cleaners. But it was the Sharks that hung on comfortably enough watching the game. 28-14, only the scoreline, but good for the Sharks. The Rebels are definitely a banana skin side traveling over to Africa. And their hoodoo continues in, in South Africa. Um, it's it's shocking, and for a side of that quality, why are you not winning games in South Africa? Um, that's that's a big question for the Rebels to ask if they want to keep the pace up with the Australian Conference. Um, and there's not much pace there compared to other conferences, <laughs> but um, I should know I'm Australian. <laughs> but uh, 
you know the 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 fact is this the the the, the, the sharks at Durban are very very dangerous they will circle you no pun intended um, and that is why no oh, no he's frozen oh no Shane Shane has got taken over by an ice candle we'll, we'll never know why That's now <laughs> You will never know why. Oh, catastrophic. Oh, dear. Oh, we only have one game left to go to. We'll never, we'll never know what he thought. Oh, no, it's his Reds as well. It is oh, his Reds next. Speak. And that's, oh, we were relying on him for that. Well, it's dearing me. Hopefully he'll come we back. Were, we were waiting for that. Hopefully, hopefully he will. Well, I, I can I can key over the points for the final matchup, if you like, Paul, and you can try save save Shane back from the... <laughs> The doldrums of poor Australian internet. Right, final game. Reds versus the Brumbies. I was going to just about let this one completely go for Shane, but he's, he's ditched us. Um, finally, we did get to see the Reds, though. They finally actually exposed themselves, the full capabilities of what they can do, and they scored all the first-half points in the game. Higginbotham and Higgity uh, jumping in to score the tries. Take a tight half-time lead, but um, over a Brumbies side, it's, you never know what they're going to turn up with. 10-0 was a half-time score. The Reds... Uh, taking that out. Second half, though, definitely more interest in that one. The Brumbies scored first to cut the lead to just three. One scoring players, all it takes, Henry Spate jumping all over that one. But then the Reds, through that middle passage of the match, they definitely flicked the switch and they changed the match up completely. Chris Fiawi saw Tia and Tate McDermott, who's making a, a, a habit out of scoring tries here for the Reds, sent this result to all but over. Red Zero's closing stages allowed for Jerome Brown to score within literal minutes of making his Super Rugby debut. And again, the Brumbies a little bit of a sniff, but Higgity soon put that to bed alongside Pango Mosa. They tore it away and an impressive, impressive display. Brumbies. I was surprised to see this one. Do we have any thoughts from Shane? This is the one I was waiting for for Shane, or is he, or is he still run away from us? No, I think we're still missing Shane, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, but um, no, I, I did, uh, I did see this one, and I, I, I thought the Reds should have been out, should, should have run out bigger um, winners. Uh, they should have pulled out a bigger lead um, early on. Uh, I think it shows that this this Brumbies side really, if, if you front up against their pack, then you've uh, you've got you've got a pretty good uh, pretty good chance against them. Yeah, I think they. Backline wise, they looked quite clueless. They, they it's like that good performance that Lilia Fano had against the Chiefs. I'm pretty sure it was where he looked to stand out. They missed that. They they need that directional ten. They got talented players. I think of Spates. They got Banks is fairly good finisher as well. Plenty of guys that can do the job. Current uh, Drani's is another one, but they just don't seem to have that direction. And like you like to say, you're right. If they don't get that go forward from the the, the pack, if they don't get that driving more, I mean, how many times was that driving more sacked? Uh, by the Reds in the last, um, you know, inside 10 metres, 15 metres on their line was huge. And uh, they put huge pressure on the Brumbies in those areas to actually control that game there. And I thought the Reds beat the Brumbies at their own game and then finished them off uh, with their own style in the end of the back. So it was good. I've been waiting for that from the Reds. So ever since the Highlanders game, I thought, yeah, these guys can do the job. And they've, they've let me down. And then I give up hope and they deliver that. It was a good win, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there have been a side that you've 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 looked at their 
performances um, and if you and you think, yep, yeah, here's a team that isn't getting the results, but they are putting the performances in, they should be doing better. Mm. Uh, and the other thing about them, I think one of the things we talked about during the, the preview is that they just don't give up very many penalties um, as well. They're one of the least penalised sides, which again means they're not giving, they're not feeding um, that Brumbies line out more. And if you starve that line out more, hey, uh, it's game over um, for the Brumbies. Uh, yeah, I mean, Andre says that um, the Reds should have doubled their lead at half-time and basically the Brumbies can't um, can't travel, so it was an easy pick. But by the sounds of things, um, Stephen, this this is you. Uh, did you did you go with the uh, Brumbies for this one? I did by a, a whisker. I, I gave up hope on the Reds. I picked them a number of times in the build up to this one because I like like you said. I I saw what they played, you know, the style they brought, and it just seemed like they were just just that little bit off. And I just I wasn't confident that they could do what we just talked about that they. Could beat the Brummies in that forward game. They've got a really good pack, but it's young, it's inexperienced, just whether they could step up that next level. Um, and that, that decided the game. If they didn't, uh, they probably would have got rolled over pretty easily. But um, i got a credit to them. Uh, well played to them as well. They they shut the Brummies down every single opportunity they got. Yeah, they couldn't get their own driving more going, which they have done previously, but hey, they didn't need to. So that's, um, no. that's okay. They've got a bit more excitement in the backs, don't they? They've got... Yeah. I mean, the, the Brummies' backs can be good, but they're, they're, they're a bit um, lost, I guess you could call it. Like, like we've seen from Waratahs in previous years, all the names, all the stars, but lost, uh, not going forward, and they, they need that direction. Uh, whereas when you've got a guy like a Karevi, like the Reds, a guy, he doesn't give two hoops what way the pack's going. He's just going straight through the middle of six guys uh, to get that forward momentum. So that's a big difference, and he's a real leader in that Reds team. He's impressed big time. No, absolutely. Uh, and we're talking about those those, those Brumbies backs. They just they just lack lack sparkle. I mean, Kurandrani is good player. Um, uh, Banks, isn't it? I think it is. That's that's there. It's another another good player that's going to probably uh, should see Wallaby action. So um, Henry Spate can play, but they're all uh, they're, they're not sparkling backs. They they they're all uh, they, they need someone around them to be a bit more creative, um, really. And that's the. Uh, that, 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 that's the big thing. Shane reckons because he's he's he's, on, he's in the live chat there. Um, Reds are showing the potential <laughs> under Brad Thorne, but Derby games are only half measure to truly gauge where they are. Uh, and yeah, that's going to be true about the about about the Aussie Conference. But hey, if you win your home games, you're halfway there. Well, that's true. And I mean, they've played all right against the New Zealand teams as well. Like their first game, like, keep going back to it. They played pretty well against the Highlanders, who are no slouches. Very true. So thank you very much, Steve, for joining us. Don't forget to check out um, the uh, Cornflakes uh, um, YouTube channel uh, where he does uh, much longer preview shows than I do um, <laughs> for the <laughs> um, for each round. And also your best place for rugby computer game, com- computer gaming action. God, dear. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Um, thanks, Shane. And sorry we lost you, um, but uh, obviously we'll have you back again um, last week. Uh, don't forget, um, for those of you on the live, thank you very much for joining us in the live chat. It's been uh, it's been good to chat away there, where I've been kind of hanging out with you guys. Uh, for those of you on the recording, don't forget up there is how you subscribe to the channel. Um, that's where you post match reactions plus your 8 p.m. every night of the week uh, sh- um, rugby shows. Down here is that link to Patreon I was talking about earlier, uh, where you can get access 
to uh, my thoughts from last week on the CDC investment in Six Nations uh, and where I'll also be talking about this week about some rules being cut in a video for Wednesday and a video for Thursday um, about what Super Rugby getting reduced to 14 teams. There's all sorts of politics and stuff to cover off in there. It's not just the structural normal stuff that you're going to expect. And over there, the artificial intelligence here at YouTube says you'll enjoy those shows, so go give them a click.